idea for all this really came from a dream? Yes, it did. Good evening and welcome to Nox Mente. Tonight's guest is Heather Taddy. Heather's noticeable enthusiasm for the odd and unknown landed her a role as a field investigator and documentarian on four seasons of A&E's Paranormal State. Now she, ser she searches for evidence of extraterrestrials with Chuck Zukowski on Travel Channel's Destination America. She shares her inspiration to seek out the paranormal, her scariest encounter with a dark spirit, and her views on modern paranormal investigation. She's also a member of Glowworm, a Pittsburgh-based punk rock band. Heather, welcome to the show. Hello, you guys. Thanks for having me. Oh, thanks for coming on. Yay. Welcome aboard, Heather. <laughs> this is definitely going to be the most interesting podcast I've ever done. Yes, it will. <laughs> the will. Bring in the will. Well, that's saying something because you're already like deeply out there in the woo anyway with your... <laughs> yeah, I you sure know? am. With you the <laughs> What, Jared? With the Zukowskis. Yes. Yes, yes indeed. So this is great. And uh, so I just found out as we were talking, you're in Pittsburgh. Is it cold mm -hmm. as hell right now? It's, it's, uh, it's been around like 40, 43 degrees. So that's not cold for Pittsburgh. That's like where we, that's kind of our low here. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. I'm used to it. Yeah. 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 yeah thick skin. I'm from Iowa, so I, I understand cold. But once you are gone out of the cold for a while, it feels like... You get soft. It's a, yeah, it's a whole new situation I'm after from, a couple of years. I'm from Chicago, and when I go home, it's it's crazy cold. Yeah. Oh, God. Chicago is no joke. Mm. So let's just jump right into this. Okay, Heather. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Getting our serious voices on. So take us back to when you were very young, like uh, the earliest memories you have in your life of stuff that influenced you. So it could be pop culture, like cartoons or movies, uh, just things that as far back as you remember that still are in your memory. Oh, yeah. I forgot to yeah, tell you, she well, cuts out sometimes. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> Um, I would have to say that my number one influence that comes to mind is Pee Wee's Playhouse, <laughs> especially oh, when yay. it comes to my <laughs> and my creativity. That that definitely had an influence on me as a child. Same with uh, like old Ren and Stimpy episodes and Tales from the Crypt. Those are things that I automatically just have really early memories of watching in like the late '80s, early '90s. Space and, madness. Yeah, yeah. And and of course when MTV was really cool in the early nineties and you know they played music videos and they had those little animated like little uh interludes between commercials that were very vivid and just really wacky. Uh those are things that have always inspired me and definitely music videos because I'm really into music and just the imagery that goes along with certain music. It's always really sparked uh, creativity and, and things with me. That's, yeah, that's what's great still with music videos, which uh, when I was in school, we, and we were learning digital arts and so they call it time arts, but uh, it, you can go so far out and tell such great, weird uh, strangeness through just a, a three minute segment with a song. It, 
and then I love them too with you in the music videos and how influential mm-hmm. they were. And yeah, and still there's so are. many like images you don't forget. Like, for example, one that just came to my mind, and uh, I think it was Faith No More's epic video. You know, the image of the fish out of the yes. water. Yes. Like that's something like I'll never forget. <laughs> I'll never forget that room they were jumping around in. It just always has stuck, has sticks with me. You know. Yeah, it's the power of symbols, which is exactly. I mean, that's what we talk about here. And that's where video, when you're looking at very short amounts of time to tell the story, symbols do the job and they do it in a better way. I think sometimes in long drawn out, you know, dialogues with less symbolic factor. Mm-hmm. And also uh, when it comes to music videos, uh, do you guys remember the Robert Palmer music videos where he yeah. always had those women yep. in yes. the background? The identical <laughs> women. Iconic. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> very iconic. That stuff and and how sexy all that was too. Like I always uh-huh. wanted to be one of those those women. I wanted to be slinging that bass. And how weird yeah, when he right? died young. What Robert Palmer's dead? Oh, been long dead. Oh my god, I didn't know that. <laughs> oh shit! Ay ay ay! I honestly I didn't know that. This is like a Mandela effect for me. Died in two thousand three. Jesus. Oh. Okay, hmm. that's news to me. So. Back here in your early, in your early life, do you have a relationship with nature at all? Oh, yeah, 100%. I grew up in central Pennsylvania in a little place called Altoona, which was like 30 miles from Penn State University. So I, I grew up with woods in my backyard. You know, I had a clubhouse in my friends. I was always in the woods, like nailing boards to trees or trying to climb trees and and things like that. So I definitely have a relationship with nature. I always have since I was very, very young. Were you out there building forts? Um, I didn't build forts. I remember, oh, what did I do? I remember um, there was a creek in the back of my yard and my friends and I would try to get these long boards to create like little walkways. (laughs) And then I also remember, I loved for some reason being able to nail boards to trees i thought that made me feel really cool as a kid (laughs) and like trying to climb them and like you know looking over the trees at the neighbors and stuff oh man that's like one step towards a fort though (laughs) yeah i I wasn't that cool enough to build a fort but maybe maybe today i could yeah oh that'd be cool what about okay so back here in your early life too did you uh well first of all were you raised religious at all what kind of religion was going on for you um I was raised Catholic uh I did go to Sunday school and you know my parents we really they didn't really push church on me we went like maybe around the holidays we went it wasn't something that I did every Sunday but I did go to Sunday school and um it it was okay I I dropped out before I got confirmed Mm -hmm. but I do I have like bits and pieces of, of memories of being in Sunday school yeah and so like those memories do, how do they feel when you look back at them? What was, what's the mood? Um, it didn't all really click with me, you know, sitting in those rooms and, and hearing about, you know, everything in the Bible. It never really like clicked with me. I was always just like, how do these people know this information? Like, where is this coming from? So I think on my mind, I, I was thinking about, you know, I'm missing the, the cartoons right now, the Saturday morning cartoons, like <laughs> I need to get out of here. So I, I think I was just kind of miserable way, but now when I think about it, um, 
you know, it would have been beneficial for me to pay more attention in Sunday school, I think. I like, though, I like this idea that young you was questioning your yes. reality and, and mm-hmm. why narratives around you. That says a lot. Yeah. Yeah, I did that a lot. Did, so also back there with young you, did you have, you know, all the fears that some, some kids have like under the bed or in the dark in the closet? Did you have any of those kinds of Uh, I had no fear when it came to being in the dark. I actually liked being in the dark and I hated every time I woke up in the morning and the sun would shine in my room and (laughs) there would be like light. So I remember specifically putting like black paper over my windows and, and putting blankets up so that the light wouldn't come in because when I woke up in the morning, it really bothered me. So that's something I remember, but I never had a fear of the dark. I never thought anything was under my bed or in my closet. Um, I did. I do remember though. I I moved around a lot in my sleep. I would roll around so much that my mom had to get this like metal bar that slid under my mattress so that I wouldn't roll out of my bed. Because there were several times when I would roll out of my bed and like smack my face off of my dresser. <laughs> oh man! Oh jeez. <laughs> so that would happen. But um, as far as fears as a child, one that really sticks out to me. Uh, I had a. I was definitely afraid of snakes. Mm. Because like I said, I grew up in the woods and there were always, I always had these encounters with these giant snakes. And I'm sure, you know, looking back they're they're harmless snakes now. But when I was young, there was this specific snake. Uh, it was black and it had these golden rings around it. And I'll just never forget it would, it would hide. You could see its body when you looked down over the step going down onto um, my porch. There was like a little uh, like gap. And you could just see its body. And I remember always being deathly afraid. And like before I would walk outside, I would just look down and make sure it wasn't there. And then some, so every time I'd go to bed, I'd have to check my bed to, because I had this fear that the snake was going to be in my house. Yeah. And one time my brother, he had his, ba- his room in the basement and he had, the, we had this uh, porch door that sometimes we'd leave open. And I'll never forget this one day I was sitting I was sitting on my coffee table in my parents' living room. I was eating a fruit roll-up and I was watching a Metallica music video. And <laughs> from down the stairs, I hear my brother going, Heather, Heather, come downstairs. So I went downstairs and there was the snake was in the corner of the basement. Oh, and geez. we were both like freaking out because it was huge. So we killed it and we... um we threw it outside and then I, I have this image in my head. I can remember this like it was yesterday. I was standing in my bathroom and I looked out the window and my parents had a burn pile and my dad burned the snake and he had this big like this platform of wood and you could just see the snake's body on it burning. And I just watched oh, man. it. <laughs> Ooh, now talk about symbols, powerful yeah. images. That's fierce. Yes. Yeah. When it was burning, did it move because it's all muscle? Um, no, I don't think it, I don't have memories of it moving at all, but that it freaked have, me out. Yeah, that would have added to the freak factor. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I don't like snakes. And there were other incidents where I remember this one time I was I was probably like five or six and I was, you know, jumping around in the front yard waiting for my mom because we were going to go to the bank or something. And as I was standing there, this truck of people went past and they're like, don't go any closer. Don't go any closer. And I looked over and I was about to walk to where this gigantic snake was. And these oh, guys, man. like, they got it and they, they saved my life. 
Do you have poisonous snakes out there? Um, we do. We have rattlesnakes because we're, I mean, we're really close to mountains. So there's definitely rattlesnakes. Um, luckily, I've never had an encounter with one, but yeah. there's rattlesnakes and uh, copperheads. Ooh. Yeah. Which I saw one of those once. And I like, I was in the woods and I was skipping rocks with my friends and we saw one and immediately like backed up and ran for it. Yeah, they're no joke. No, no. joke. Ugh. Scary. I don't want to go out that way. <laughs> yeah. So, all right, in this in in this early phase, do you remember being a child that was that recalls your dreams? Do you remember dreaming a lot? How was all that happening? Yes, I remember a lot of dreams that I had as a child because they were just so vivid and weird and they never ever made sense. Um one dream that I know was definitely inspired by Pee Wee's Playhouse, and it was actually kind of scary, is I remember being a kid and having this reoccurring dream where I would walk in my kitchen and it was kind of set up like a maze, and I would walk and in the corner by the oven, <laughs> you know that big eyeball in Pee Wee's Playhouse? Yes. It's like a giant <laughs> eyeball. So that eyeball would be standing there and it would eat, be eating a bowl of macaroni and cheese. Like, why would I have that dream? Why? <laughs> so that's one that's the kind of, those are the kind of dreams like that I had as a child and then I remember I used to have uh nightmares where I was drowning in like a sea of root beer oh man <laughs> yeah that's very I don't think I've ever heard of one quite like that it's like a surrealist painting almost exactly yeah my dreams are very surrealistic for sure did you like root beer I did yeah as a kid yeah I definitely liked root beer so what kind of mac and cheese was it? Was it like craft or <laughs> I don't remember but Jerry. <laughs> I remember it. I mean I would consider that a nightmare because I remember peering around the corner in my dream and just seeing this giant eyeball and I think it was wearing a hat. But it 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 was just like the one in Pee-wee's Playhouse and as I got older, you know, I I got to thinking about it and I thought I was that dream. That's the eye from Pee-wee's Playhouse. It has to be. It's interesting. I wonder if you do you have or have you experienced this throughout your life in uh throughout your life? Like if you eat too late, does it amp up your dreams or change the nature of them? Oh yeah, definitely. I've I've always noticed that when I eat blueberries near bed, bedtime, I they definitely affect my my dreams. Blueberries have an effect on my dreams for sure. What kind of effect? Um, I just always noticed that. Like if I eat blueberries before bed, my dreams are just really like weirder Ooh. and they don't make sense. And I just wake up thinking, what in the world did I just experience? Ooh, I might have to give that a try. You guys should try it. <laughs> I might get right on that train. That's awesome. So, okay, back here. I like, I like all this. Um, I like the nature of all this stuff is very surreal and fun around you. What in general dream dynamics here? You, you cut How out, do you, you dream? Is it is it colors? Do you, okay, am I back? Yes. Yeah, I can hear you now. So, how do you generally dream? In color, sound, sight? Uh, can you read? What are the dynamics of of how you dream? It seems like it's in color. Uh, I think. One time I remember having a dream where it was everything was red, like I was seeing in red. Uh, as far as 
sounds go, it all just seems, it all seems very normal to me. What about, are you able to, what about like sensate stuff like smelling and touch? No, I've never, no. Oh, wait, and, no, that's not true. See? Um, <laughs> yeah, see, I know, I've never thought about that before. I would say I can smell and touch. Yeah, yeah, I've had, yeah. I like smelling and touching, yeah. And then also, have you, do you encounter script? Are you able to read words at all? Oh, um, I don't have any recollection of, of reading words yeah. or words in my dreams. It's not super common. I don't hear a huge amount. And then yeah. a lot of times I hear people will encounter, you know, something with writing, like a book and it's glyphs. Some people can actually just read. I usually encounter glyphs. Uh, okay, and so also with the this kind of architecture of the dream, are there places in your dream that you know and return to that even though they may change, you know, it's like your house, even though it could be different every time or a place you return to? Now, this is not reoccurring dreams. This is just familiar architecture. Yeah, definitely. Um, definitely the house I grew up in. And also too, uh, I, I tend to have dreams where I'm in a giant house and it's set up like a maze and the house is usually always haunted and I'm always looking for something, which I mean, that has to do with all my, my, you know, experiences of paranormal, I think, but, uh, definitely reoccurring where I'm in a haunted house and it's a maze that usually happens a lot to me. Even when you were young? No, I would say it probably started in college. Okay. Yeah. And so just because this is your field, one of your fields, you're multi-talented. Oh, uh, <laughs> um, when, so give us a little bit of um, background with the paranormal in in your life. When did you first encounter some some high strangeness so we can get a feel for where that all comes in well i started investigating on my own and and with friends probably when i was like 13 or 14 but i my interest in everything paranormal kind of goes back to around third grade uh but i mean i never grew up in a haunted house or anything and everything pretty much started with using a ouija board my friends and i would have these nights where we would we would use the Ouija board. We'd take it to places that we thought were haunted. We'd break into places we weren't supposed to be. And we would just have these Ouija board sessions in hopes that we would catch evidence. And I would always have a video camera filming, you know, these sessions. And so I was always really fascinated with spiritualism and the Ouija board and, and trying to communicate with people who have passed on. So that, that happened early on. Uh, and then from there, it just, stemmed into me, you know, going to college and, and trying to decide which clubs to join. You know, I was going to twirl baton or I was going to join the comedy club or the paranormal club or the French club. And out of all those, I decided to join the paranormal club. And that that's how I ended up getting involved with paranormal state. Oh, that's super cool. That, mm -hmm. that, that came right out of a club. So in so with this early, so third grade's pretty early and it's always been part of it. And then, so what I'm trying to, trying to tie in here is, so we've got you at third grade doing 
really honing into other states, right? And and realizing that there's more going on. Yeah, and you know, and the reason why I say third grade is because I remember we got these these uh, book order things where you could order these these books, and I would always order the alien and the paranormal books because they had all these books about alien abduction and and just ghosts and spirits, and I was always really really into that. And reading about it was always really fun to me. So I was always like the only person that would order these books. So my teacher would, of course, make fun of me and call me an alien, which, you know, I just kind of <laughs> went with because I was, I was just always different. I was always very different from everybody and really unique. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, I mean, early, I have very early memories of reading these books. I wish I still had them because they were really, they were really interesting books. And, and then, you know, from there, probably more into high school, I got into reading about Ed and Lorraine's, uh, Warren's famous cases. Uh huh. Yeah. Oh God, so juicy. I mm-hmm. think. Did I see a photo with you with um one of them, Lorraine? Yeah. So um, Lorraine was on quite Lorraine. a few yeah. paranormal state. Uh, so we got to travel around with her, which was incredible because you know a year or two before I joined the club, you know I was a college student. I went to see her speak, and I was just blown away by the photos that she showed and like all of her stories and her dedication to the field. And then little did I know, like a year or two later, I'd be working with her and sitting with her and having tea and like hearing her stories and, and just being able to, to say that I know Lorraine Warren was, was really a trip for me. That's real serendipity. And it's uh, a beautiful thing. And plus, she trailblazed for women like you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she definitely had an influence on me getting into the field and she was a huge influence to PRS, you know, the Penn State Paranormal Research Society and, and how Ryan started it. I mean, Ed and Lorraine's work definitely inspired, um, you know, the club to start. Yeah. And, and just, uh, but plus also just on the woman front, I mean, she really is a trailblazer. Oh, yeah. And, and so there's always that factor. It's like she brought so much credibility to it. You know, a lot of times it's, uh, there's a, there's definitely a scale tip with more towards the guys. So mm-hmm. I just like to recognize those trailblazing ladies out there too. Yeah. She's super brave for sure. Oh my God. I can't imagine some of the stuff that y'all do. Yeah. <laughs> and and it's, I'm it's really crazy. open in all this, but yeah. some things are scary for real. It's crazy too, to just hear her calmly talk about, you know, the time she was thrown 50 feet in the air because she was, you know, in the woods of Connecticut next to this satanic idol. And it was, you know, they found in the woods. Like, it's really crazy. Like, she kind of talks about it like it's nothing. You know, when you hear her stories. <laughs> oh, man. Did, okay, so let's get a little bit into into some dreams. Do you recall early, like, so back, still back in, like, early days for you, Do you remember some of your, and just wherever you start remembering dreams, do you have any early dream images? And we got the eyeball one already, but stuff that comes in, maybe, you know, all the way into puberty and that period. Uh, Yeah, I remember uh, having a dream about a leopard. And this leopard was perched on like a gigantic beach ball that was in like the Mediterranean Sea. And I remember um, I've always had a fascination with the ocean and mostly because, you know, it's, it's scary, but it's beautiful at the same time. Like just the thought of like what's in the ocean, what's on the ocean floor and the fact that you could get so lost in the ocean. So 
I have a lot of dreams about the ocean too, but with this leopard, I remember uh, its eye kept falling out and it would just bounce on the floor. And I had to take the leopard into the bathroom and we stood in this giant mirror and I'm helping this leopard put his eye back into his eye socket. Like, who has dreams like that? That's so weird. But that's one I can remember having early on. How old do you think you were when that happened? Oh, probably like seven or eight. That's great. That is yeah. interesting imagery there. Mm-hmm. Did you, when that dream was over, what did you, what was the feeling you had? Um, if you can recall. I don't know if I can recall that. I'd probably say just the seeing the image of like the ocean waves with like a gigantic oversized beach ball and like a beautiful leopard, you know, perched on yeah. this ball and just floating in the ocean. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of surreal in a way, which in a lot of the imagery in my dreams is very surreal and outrageous. Yeah, yeah, that's I'm enjoying that. What so let's let's perch here on the ocean for a minute. This is one of my big one of my favorite symbols in dreamland. So in the ocean, and you mentioned you have a lot of dreams with the ocean. Mm-hmm. So in the ocean and, and water also, just deep water, do you encounter in general over your lifetime of dreaming sea monsters or scary things in the water? No, it's never like that for me. It's more so, I think one time I had a dream where I was exploring the ocean floor and I I found like an old car or like something ridiculous, but it's never anything scary for me. And so nothing with like sea leviathans or crazy big scary squid or any of that kind of stuff? Mm No. Okay. Okay, and interesting. You just never know. It, some of that stuff's really popping out a lot for people, and I think it's tied into like the Lovecraftian stuff coming, coming to yeah. the surface more now. Uh, Thomas Sheridan's all over that stuff. The Cthulhu stuff. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's just becoming so popular that it's creating. There's a, there's a lot happening within the dream realm. So, back to your dreams. Give us a few oddball dreams from, you know, just the first half of your life, ones that stick out that are kind of strange and that that are stranger than normal. Let me, let me put it that way. Um, well, one that I remember having when I was probably in my early teens was uh, I also have a fascination with hot air balloons. And that's another thing that um, appears in my dreams, just anything weird in a hot air balloon in the sky. And I used to have a dream where this really, really nice British boy was in a hot air balloon and he would, he would always fly my backyard and he would land the balloon and get out and he would come into my house and steal everybody's shoes. (laughs) And then he would take all the shoes and put them in this big log that was in the clubhouse that my friends and I made in the woods behind my house. Uh, that's I don't know what that means. But <laughs> That's a yeah. goodie. It's Did fun, he, he in like modern times or was he more Victorian? Um, I would say more Victorian. This is my next question for you because I'm getting, I get a big Victor. Not that I have seen anything that would suggest this with you, but I'm getting a big Victorian vibe with you. And so I'm just wondering like what your connection to the late 1800s up into the 1920s 
So that's we're going through Edwardian and all that. But do you hmm. have a connection to it? Honestly, no. It's interesting. No. I'm getting. I'm definitely getting that vibe off you. And then when you gave me that this balloon dream. So okay, huh. so that's a cool one. Other airship stuff in dreams. No, just hot air balloons. Um, I know I've had a lot of dreams about maybe airplanes too, but I think usually, no, um, I'd say no. And what about dreams where you are working through deep, so deep layers where you don't know anyone in your conscious life and uh, they, you're encountering other things that seem like they're not part of your dream. So other entities or uh, external, beings, right? That are that are that seem conscious too. That seem sentient too. Hmm. Let me think. So, I would say I've definitely had dreams with people that I don't know or recognize. And, you know, upon waking, I always think like, oh, am I going to meet this person I saw in my dreams? But I've never had never had an encounter where I dreamed about someone I didn't know. And then I met them in real life. And then it it, I, it triggered like, oh, I remember meeting you in my dream. Like, I've never had that. Um, as far as like creatures or beings go, like, I don't I don't have dreams about any kind of like shadow person or or aliens. Like, I don't I don't have any kind of dream like that. Do you? Sorry. Go, Jerry. Uh, have you ever had any encounters with entities like that, like shadow person or, or flannel man? No, I mean, I would say I've seen maybe one or two shadow people mm -hmm. on investigations, but I've never, uh, never like Hat Man or never uh, a specific any entity. Aliens. Yeah, yeah. Cool. yeah. Cool. That's good. So, so you're not bringing them home. That's a good thing. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. Good. Nothing follows me around. <laughs> Do you, on that note, do you have any, uh, do you, do you have, how do you protect yourself, let's say, from picking up attachments? Um, well, I have a, uh, I know on the PRS investigations, I've always had a, uh, uh, it was a, a Benedictine medal that I know Lorraine Warren had blessed and given me. So that was something that I always carried around. And I still, um, you know, when I know I'm going out into an investigation, I take that with me. Other than that, I just have ways of, um, you know, just kind of talking myself through it to where, you know, I'm going to be protected. You know, there's a white light around me. Nothing's going to harm me. So um, as far as that goes, that's, that's kind of my, my methods. And you don't feel you've ever picked up any attachments so far? No, never, you know, and in and, and paranormal state, I think I was the only person that uh, didn't have anything following me home because a lot of our members... At one point, they lived in a house together, and after one of the really, really serious cases, uh, you know, they all had things happen to them. And yeah, I've never had anything follow me home, which is good. Yeah, that is good. It makes me wonder. Also, do you have? Uh, where are you now within like the whole spirituality spectrum? Uh, I would say I'm definitely spiritual. Um, yeah. So no slant, no like uh, new age or Wicca or no specialization, no specialization. No. So you're just no. open. Yeah, I'm just pretty. Yeah, I'm open. 
What about, okay, so back in dreams, what about uh, deja? So like this kind of deja vu is one, one question. And then off of that is precognitive stuff, dreaming true. Oh, so I, when it comes to precognitive dreams, I have never, I've never had any dreams that come true. Most of the time, my dreams don't make sense. So if they did come true, I think it would be very odd. But as far as like precognitive dreams, no, I've never had one. And I have had bouts of deja vu a lot. And oftentimes it's from when I I was very young. And I remember a lot of times um, it would be when I'm outside, you know, playing in the grass or just like running around in the woods, which, you know, goes back to my connection with nature. But deja vu is definitely something I've experienced a lot in my life. When you have deja vus, what is, what's the deja vu experience like for you as you experience it? There'll just be a certain object or some action that I'm performing where I just stop and I'm like, this is so familiar. And then I just, it's almost as if I relive the old memory that's like hidden in my unconscious mind. And, and is that what you think is going on with deja vu? Well, what what do you think is actually going on? Do you think that it's something you you're reliving, or a possible time alternate timeline, something you dreamed in the past that you're just now uh, coming into? And most deja vu's, as most people know, are mundane things like walking into mm-hmm. a room, or you know, they're not like major events. They just feel so wonderful. <laughs> yeah, and so familiar. But yeah, I would say. Uh, maybe maybe just a recollection of like something i did a long time ago or like even a past life i like exploring that idea yeah i do too uh, I mean, to me it's all on the table i say, mm-hmm. it, i stay really open with stuff so yeah. with the idea of past lives do you what is your idea on like this whole reincarnation or uh, even even and here's some of the woo you know like alternate timelines where it's other yous but simultaneous simultaneously oh see that like messes with my head when i think about that i don't even know i don't even know how to talk about that <laughs> like, think about alternate <laughs> ways just like... think of it as uh past lives but they're <laughs> happening right now yeah because time really definitely... is you know an illusion it doesn't exist yeah, I'm open to the idea of past lives, and I, I've definitely, I've thought about that a lot. Um, it's a really neat, neat thing to think about. As far as like alternative, alternative timelines, I don't really know. I don't really know how to explain that. Well, there's a lot of good sci-fi around around the idea that's made some pretty good, well, really some excellent shows like Fringe, and uh, a. Co- some others it seems like they're everywhere now where people have the time to watch them oh just watch um what's a good example any of the dc comic ones tv shows that are on cw like flash or arrow they are they're exploring multiple earth dimensions right now there's infinite earths and they can travel between them it is fun to think about you know, if we connect to other dimensions during the dreaming state. 
Do you, so with ghosts, so in particular with ghosts, do you, what do you think they are? I'm sure there's like a myriad, and this is, of course, shows about your opinion, especially since you're in the field, but this Mm -hmm. plays, this does play right into altered states of consciousness and dreams. So what do you think are the different characterizations of the ghost experience? Um. I would say residual energy, like it's it's all a replay of something tragic that has happened in the past. You know, that something something steps in and triggers it or it connects with something and it, it goes off like a almost as if like a rerun of a TV show. So do you not think that the the ghosts have and so so residual energy, do you think there are ghosts out there that are kind of like I don't know, free agents where it's where they're actually not residual energy. They're actually somehow think they're still alive and living their life. Um, yeah. Yeah, I would agree with that in a way. I think. <laughs> it's hard, you know, this stuff's also yeah. speculative. It's all I know, like that's why when I get asked these questions, I'm like, man, everything's just such a working theory. It's it's kind of like everybody can have their own, you know, everybody has different experiences with it. So it's like everybody has their own ideas. So it's, yeah. it's neat to hear what, what everybody, you know, collectively thinks. Yeah. I, I like that too. I also um, notice there's the idea of, I don't know if you know what a tulpa is. Oh, um, oh, I can't remember. Were we create. It, yeah, it's definitely not yeah, your right. Heather. It's not right. It's um, but Damn were we, <laughs> were we collectively so, um, a thought form made <laughs> physical? How's that? Oh, okay, okay. Yes, but but fueled by like um, I think Thin Man's one fueled by the collective psychic energy of a lot of people that gives it feeds it into it and gives it an en- energy where it then becomes Manifest. you know. S- manifest and semi-sentient because of the amount of energy going into it right it's almost like uh do you guys remember reading about the philip experiment i don't know we i don't think i do will you give us a um the gist the, i think like the toronto uh it happened in toronto the the psychical research research group up there i think it's called S, spr i can't remember the name of it but um they got a group of people and they collectively created. Um, this older guy named Philip with, with a backstory and everything. And they collectively would try to, you know, make it appear in a thought form. It's really interesting. There's, there's articles about it, but when I would study, you know, poltergeist, that was always one thing we always talked about. It's the Philip experiment. Was it successful at times? Uh, yeah. From what I remember, um, it was. So, okay. And now, so pulling all this into into the dream have you encountered things that seem more uh nefarious or demon-like in the dreamscape honestly no and you it's surprising because with the work i've done you think that i i would have but i've never had dreams like that the the most like violent dreams i've had involve like someone getting shot or like me you know running through a maze and escaping someone trying to kill me or something like that but i i've never had like a demonic presence in my dream at all even like you know in on paranormal state we stayed 
like seasons one and two, we, we oftentimes we stayed in the client's house overnight, yeah. Yeah. which was very interesting, you know, because, uh, you know, we're sleeping over, we're living in their house where they experience these things and your mind would tend to wander, you know, especially if you were sleeping in someone's room where, you know, suicide just happened or something really horrible happened. And a lot of times I remember having strange dreams of, you know, things happening when I was staying in a client's house. It was really haunted. Do you, are you, are you empathic or psychically inclined? No, I'm not. I, I'm, I'm pretty good at like sensing energies, but I'm not, I would not consider myself psychic. Like I've never been able to use that ability. Yeah. I'd it's, like to though. Yeah. Everybody's psychic. Right. Well, it's just a muscle. You learn how to turn right. the, the clairs on, mm -hmm. you know, the yeah, clair I've, audio I've never been able to tap into it. That just takes work. Uh, what about, so. And, and mushrooms. Then, well, <laughs> I mean, there are, there are many routes. <laughs> there are an infinite amount of ways to get to a checkpoint in time, like death. And everyone's going to go there. <laughs> uh, so. Anyway, I'm cracking myself up. So with this, though, and I think I derailed myself, too. Isn't that funny? I gaslighted myself. All right, my turn then. Go, Jerry. <clears throat> so, so what, have you had any really crazy paranormal experiences that were just like, I don't know, mind-blowing? Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, the one time uh, we were doing this case in Oregon, where this lady was seeing a headless ghost that would pass between her hallway. And we did some research on the previous owners and one of the previous owners was driving, you know, along the coast and he was, he was drinking and he drove over this cliff and repeatedly rolled his car. And in the process of, of him crashing, his head got decapitated and it actually fell into the passenger's lap. And then it, fell out the it hit the door and fell out the of the car oh my so God. she was seeing yeah she was seeing this ghost and, and some of the other activity that would happen was she felt like she was constantly being watched she she has she had been touched she had heard voices and i remember during uh dead time we which is when we try to communicate with whatever may be in the house i was isolated and i was i was in the bathroom because that was a hot spot for activity so I was in the bathroom with my camera and I had one camera on the wall that was hitting me while the other group was in the living room. And I remember just standing there and I'm not sure, I can't really recall what the other team was talking about, but something one of them said or a question that they asked after it happened, I was just leaning and you could see this all in film. I'm leaning against the sink and all of a sudden I look to my, to my arm and something touched my arm mm. enough for me to bend it and i never had anything like that happen to me before but it, it it wasn't hot it wasn't cold like i don't really have any description for it but something like physically touched my arm and my reaction was to bend it and i looked nothing was around me that could have naturally caused that i had it from two different camera angles so that when i think of like incredible experiences that's one that really stuck out to me that's cool that's cool yeah. And the other thing I wanted to ask, which is, I could wait for later if you want. No, go, Jerry. Um, what, 
What kind of paradigm shift was it for you to go from like paranormal state to alien highway? Oh, it was definitely interesting because, you know, when you're in a haunted house or a building, you know, when something happens, you have that ability to go into the next room and, inv and actually mm -hmm. investigate. Whereas with these UFO investigations, you know, we see things in the sky. So sure, we can use satellite tracking systems to try to figure out was that a satellite, you know, what a plane looks like, shooting star and all that. But a lot of times we'd see things and you can't really get up there to investigate it. So it's just kind of like, okay, now I'm just thinking, what was that? Mm -hmm. So that was very different for me. And of course, too, uh, environmentally, the, there was a lot of environmental factors being outside, you know, with UFO investigations and, and from Alien Highway, we, we put ourselves in some pretty dangerous situations and dangerous areas of the world. Area 51. And yeah. Yeah, and yeah. worrying about wild animals. Mm -hmm. Like, that's something that was always on my mind, you know, because we were in areas where there could have been mountain lions and wolves. Sure. So I don't want to encounter wild animals. Just, to me, that's more scary than, you know, encountering a ghost or even probably an alien. Didn't you guys, you filmed one that just kind of appeared with the... Uh... Yeah, we did. That was, that was at Skinwalker Ranch. Yeah, uh, right. Yeah, just a couple miles from there in the Uinta Basin. We uh, we set up these trap cams because we interviewed a local who he was out there just looking, you know, for activity in the sky. And he looked over and he saw in the middle of the road, this gigantic wolf creature that he described as just like an abnormal, gigantic wolf, which is, you know, something that is a part of the skinwalker legend, mm -hmm. you know, the, the shape shifting, shape shifting wolf. So we uh, went to that area. And it was an area where in that area of the Uinta Basin, there's a lot of uh, oil tankers that drive by because they burn oil in that area. And there's a lot of facilities that has something to do with oil. So hmm. we set up a trap cam around that corner and there weren't really a lot of houses near there. There was like one house and they didn't have, we checked, they didn't have any dogs or anything, but we set up these trap cams and uh, you could see where the cars would come around the turn and where it would trigger the camera and you'd see where it appeared. And it happened for like every single one. And then all of a sudden we were reviewing the footage and in the middle of the road just appears what looks like a wolf. It looked like it was too small to be a coyote. It didn't look like someone's dog. It didn't look like a wild dog. It looked like a wolf had just appeared. And we were like tripping out, like watching this footage because we reviewed it when we got it from trap cams. We put it in the computers and we started to review it. And we just, we got like, we got like 168 hits on one and like 60 some on the other camera. But we couldn't even believe it because it just appeared right in the middle of the street. Right. Walk it. It was walking towards the camera in the middle of the street in the snow. Yeah. It was just strutting along like out of nowhere. So yeah, that's, that's something that we still talk about. You know, me and the guys still talk about like, yeah. what was that? That was definitely one of the coolest things on, on that season. That, yeah. and, and the red lights, uh, at the, the, one of the last episodes, all the, I forget where that was. I think that was what, Area 51 one, Area 51 episode, rather. Um, it might have been, oh, the red light. Which one did we see that on? I keep thinking that was Arizona, but I think Arizona was like the flash of light we saw. I don't I'll have to watch it. I don't again. remember either. It's cool. It's, cool. it's, it's fascinating. The... As, as I was talking before the show about how I think there's a convergence of paranormal and 
ufology and cryptids somewhere. There's some common denominator. And yeah, I, I think it's just all mixed somehow, but I don't have an explanation for as to how, well, but right. it seems like people that, you know, we talked to a lot of cattle ranchers that would see these lights in the sky and then they would go into their house and they'd have like real crazy paranormal activity. Mm -hmm. So I think a lot of it just ties in and some people have a connection with seeing, um, you know, Bigfoot and UFOs. So it's, it's, I was just going to say that. Did you know that there's a lot of paranormal activity surrounding Bigfoot sightings as well? Oh and yeah. Mm -hmm. Last year I had talked to, I forget the guy's name, but he runs the Bigfoot center here in Georgia. He was telling me that he had been told stories by several people that they had seen floating Bigfoot. Wow. That was, you know, like ghost Bigfoot. That's crazy. Yeah. Which yeah, just makes I've never it met anyone that's seen that. Yeah, it's just crazy stuff out there. So I think the one of the the common so there's that like I think there's that that common denominator between all of this stuff, but it's mm -hmm. it always is attached to consciousness. Yeah, so there's a consciousness yeah. element to it. Uh, so I don't know. It's interesting. It's crazy too because now that I've done Alien Highway, I've been invited to a lot more of like the cryptid cons which before i just just did the strict like ghost events you know, like paranormal ghosts you know right but now i'm getting more into that world of of bigfoot and i've been on like one bigfoot investigation but i'm not really like into bigfoot as much as i am you know the aliens and, and ghosts sure. sure so it's like really different for me but it's it's very exciting i like I like talking with the people that are real into it and they, they go on investigations and I'm really into hearing about their stories. We know a few. Uh, one of, uh, one of our, our friends, uh, Josh Kutchin, is an author who wrote a book, writes about how he, he compares like UFO stories to fairy lore. And oh, okay. Cryptid stories to fairy lore. And he finds a lot of correlations between them. And I think his whole idea is that the the cryptid, the UFO phenomenon today is just like the new facade on whatever fairies are. You know, oh. like say, like two hundred years ago, you'd have fairies would be bothering people and stealing their kids and offering them, you know, all the things that fairies used to do. Right? ET does the same thing, but just they look like greys instead of fairies. Right. And that's that's an of, interesting comparison. Yeah. So the others are still part of our experience. Yes. We're just seeing them. We're calling different them masks. different. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's very cool. That's, all right, I'm done. Well, it's all flowing. Uh, on this note, though, what have I? Do you have you walked away with these investigations? Have you walked away? with a change in your perception about say aliens and the et phenomena i would say yeah definitely with alien highway because you know we talked to pilots that you know american airline pilots that that uh you know would see these things these lights that they couldn't explain flying above them when they were already like thirty-five thousand feet in the air so it just opened up my eyes that, you know, normal people, you know, every kind of person is, is seeing things that they can't explain. And then it was really amazing to get to go to Corona and to go to Roswell and talk to, in one of our episodes, we actually talked to 
the older brother of uh, Dee Proctor, who of course was with Mac Brazel when they found, when they came upon the debris on the ranch. And just hearing his thoughts about and hearing, you know, about his, his mom telling the story about how, you know, they, they had some of the debris and people, uh, once this all, once this happened in 1947, they had the military came to town and questioned everybody and Mac Brazel was threatened. And so to hear, you know, this from a pretty good source, that's you know, pretty well, pretty well connected to, to the Roswell crash, uh, was pretty neat to confirm because I, I think a lot of, there's a lot of rumors when it comes to Roswell. And one of the big ones was that the Proctors kept some of the debris and we kind of, we had uh, Sandy Proctor kind of clear that rumor right away because it's one of the questions I think Chuck could ask, like, so you guys have, did you guys have the debris? And he's like, no, like, you know, no, no one kept it or anything, but. Well, why would they tell you? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Right. I was thinking that too, like sure about that. But he, he was kind of, he kind of acted irritated that people thought that they had the debris. He was like, that's ridiculous. So, uh, but I don't know, but um, it was really cool because Sandy Proctor actually said that uh, Stanton Friedman's uh, account of, you know, that he wrote the crash at Corona mm-hmm. was, uh, it never really varied from the story. So it was like the, it was very true to the actual occurrence. And it matched so. the course, course, Corso, Corsi book? Corsi, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I'm, I'm, I don't know what happened there. 1947 was a year of enormous fuckery. Yeah. All around. So much stuff. Yeah, yeah, 1947. It's unbelievable. But yeah, I mean, and it's a, oh, sorry, go on. I was, I was just going to say being on these investigations and especially the investigations that in, uh, incorporate uh, cattle mutilations. Mm where these cattles are killed in such mysterious ways where there's no signs of struggle. You know, there's, um, uh, their organ, there's surgical incisions. There's no blood. It's really hard to tell how these animals died. Um, and their deaths are usually accompanied by lights in the sky. Uh, hearing stories about that from ranchers was really eye opening because there's a lot of ranchers all across the Midwest that experience this. And they, they lose a lot of their cattle and they're kind of left with no answers from, you know, the police, there's no answers from the vets. They're kind of like really, really frustrated. So it was really great to talk to them and, and hear their stories and kind of bring that to light. And uh, I think our episode, it was called uh, Murder on the Prairie. That was one of my favorite ones we filmed for Alien Highway. Yeah, it was a good show. Um, you've, you've, you know, Linda Moulton Howe, right? She's been following Academy Relations for years. Yeah. Oh yeah. I've definitely, I have never met her, but I've definitely read about her for sure. Yeah. There's, I mean, she's been really digging into it and has never found any answers. So mm-hmm. it's, it's just really <laughs> bizarre. When you really think about it. It, it. it is. And it's, um, I just, there's, it's not only cattle too. They find other animals that are they find humans, yeah, humans yeah. too, including Elizabeth short, the black Dahlia, all surgical, no blood and weird, weird narratives around her yeah. death. It's those Antarctica Nazis. <laughs> <laughs> But the the human aspect to this and investigations, because they're so separate, uh, with very strange, like uh, glands, pineal gland and glands moved, surgical cuts, mm-hmm. uh, they just get filed under strange murders and they don't get connected into this UFO thing. But yet the MO is completely the same as their 
is if you look into the cattle mutilation. And so for me, that's a point of inquiry. These are strange, mysterious things happening. And uh, there's usually some weird phenomena around them both. And there's a connection for me, at least in my head that you know, as long as it's still open in a mystery, that that's an avenue that should also be investigated. The, the, the alien aspect, whatever, however that's getting attached to the cattle. Yeah, like, are they using the cattle as like experiments is one of the theories I always hear a lot. Yeah, and it, there's a lot with the glands and all that. Mm-hmm. Which makes me think of, like, uh pharmaceutical companies doing it to test drugs or the um, government testing like toxicity toxicity levels of whatever groundwater kind of things where they would need to look at just the the thyroid or something of an animal oh my gosh wouldn't that be weird if this whole time it was the pharmaceutical companies like trying to (laughs) no wait wait let's add another layer what if there's like an et race behind the pharmaceutical companies Oh, oh my gosh, yeah. That's a great that's a great speculation. Oh, that's what, what do you think Los Alamos is all about? Or not not Los Alamos, what is it? Uh, shit. The thing in Arizona with the God, I can't remember the name of it. Help me out here, Nish. Oh jeez, Jerry. Uh uh, what are you thinking of it? In in Arizona, you said? Yeah, there's a base in Arizona where there was allegedly an alien fight with humans. Yes. Oh, oh man, I'll, I'll I can't. Play. Somebody must probably in the chat. I'm not looking. Nobody's I trying. can't remember. I forget. So there's so remember. much, Heather. There is so much. Mm-hmm. So okay. So tying this back in a little bit. Do you Dulcy have base. you Dulcy? Oh, you. Dulcy. Yeah, yeah. Yes, yes. We all know this. It's just at the to- You know, <laughs> at the tip of our tongue. I think um, that's in. Is that in New Mexico? No, that's Arizona. It is? Right? New Mexico's Los Alamos and... Same difference. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's all, the, it's all the desert area out there. Yeah. Where they blew up nukes years ago, allegedly. Yeah, well, there's that whole connection, too. <laughs> we, can, we can dot connect all day and love it. Uh, so what about your experience with... And then I want to tie that into lucid dreaming. Ooh, you cut out on the first part. I heard lucid dreaming, sleep paralysis. Have you experienced that? Yeah, I've had that happen to me two times in my life. Um, The first time I remember, I was very, I was very young. I was probably like six or seven, and I remember I was sick. And I was laying in bed with my mom watching cops. <laughs> and I remember, I don't even remember what I dreamt about, but I remember waking up and I couldn't, I felt like something was pinning me down and I couldn't, you know, my diaphragm was paralyzed. I couldn't yell. I remember really wanting to yell and scream, but I couldn't. But at the same time, I think I remember watching cops as this was happening. At the same time as having the paralysis, so you yeah. were. So wait, the scene was you're you're actually really watching cops with your mom. I think so. Yeah, yeah. And then you went into a sleep paralysis. Yeah, but I remember being asleep, and I remember 
upon waking, that's when I could, I was watching cops and that's when I felt like I had to scream, but I don't yeah. remember what I was dreaming about at all. Yeah. Yeah. That's classic. It's, 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 it can be so unnerving. What about the mm -hmm. other time? So the other time I was in, this was probably, this was definitely after college and it was during maybe like the third, third or fourth season of Paranormal State. I was lying in bed and my dream was that I was kind of hovering above myself and I could see myself laying on this couch. And I remember seeing this black, black, like shadow figure kind of creep around the couch and go to the other side. And it just kept going back and forth. And then I woke up. And were you seeing it like in the periphery? No, I was seeing it as if I was there. It was, it was very strange, very strange. Did it come off scary at all? Yeah. Have, yeah. have you ha had you had any kind of astral projection experiences before that? No, never. Or since? Mm-mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, I'm not really sure how to explain. One thing I've heard people say is that that the situation where you describe you get the paralysis, you you consciously above your body, and then you see a shadow person or entity or whatever. Um, I've heard people say that that could is that they think that that is yourself waiting for you to complete your extradition from your body. Mm. Yeah. Huh. I don't know how true that is. I just I think that's an interesting take on that. Yeah. Yeah, so what about then, I've never had another one. What about in your dream? So in a dream, what about your lucidity content? Have you been able to have high content where you're aware that you're dreaming? No. I've I've never been able to tap into that. I do remember I've had dreams where I've I woke up and I was like kicking. And I can remember what that I was kicking something in my dream. Like one dream I had pretty recent, like within this month. Uh, so I lived down south for a while and I lived near this gigantic lake where I could just see alligators every day. And I was really fascinated by, by seeing them. I could just watch them for hours because it was just something so different for me growing up in Pennsylvania. So I remember um, I started having more dreams that involved alligators. And just this past month, I had a dream where uh, my friend and I were just, we were trapped in this room and there were these little alligators everywhere. And there was just one giant big one. And I remember my friend trying to stand on top of it and, and hold its mouth shut with like a broom or something ridiculous. And I remember it was trying to like bite at my legs and I was kicking it and I woke up kicking my legs. Ooh, damn. Yeah. Is that so with that kind of experience though, because that's a that's a good degree of um connection to there's a good connection there. How often are you in that state where you wake up? How often are you in the state where you wake up and there's kind of a hangover from the dream? Yeah, I've definitely I've had that happen several times where you wake up and you're kind of like did I just dream that? And you, you kind of feel like you're still in that situation. It's almost sometimes shocking. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's usually, I find, if you continue to push into it, like a future, 
uh, you can get to a real sense of high lucidity. I, I have found for myself that usually whatever is going on with the stars or what I'm eating or whatever, that's usually like a sign that that I'm I'm at least ready for it because I find often when I'm trying to lucid dream, a lot of times I can't, and I, I'm working on this. I think everyone does, and then I always find myself accidentally lucid dreaming you know it's like oh man i'm awake and and then move into it it's one of those weird things like the more i want it the less it happens Mm -hmm. do you guys ever try to um have you like got a book that kind of explains how to tap into lucid dreaming or you just kind of do it? oh yeah yeah Yeah, i've read them all and there's a million different ways to do it there you know and there's the great monroe institute And all the and hemisync stuff that came out of that, and uh, I mean, I've done everything from potatoes before bed to, I mean, just standing upside down. <laughs> I mean, all <laughs> kind, all kinds of stuff. <laughs> and it seems, and there's nothing that has actually been a solid. It works every time for me. So, uh, at this point, I just I remain open. And I listen to what other people are saying, but still I come back to the fact that even though people are specializing on in this and within some of the scientific branches, I still think there's some mystery here and am cautious of the experts. Let me put it that way. That saying, you know, giving us expert theories and that this should work and i i don't know because i i really have made a lifelong passion out of this and it, for me at least not one worked every time so did i robot out totally a little bit yeah i did yeah you keep doing it you always do oh man we we just ignore it now <sighs> That sucks so bad. It really does. I have like the best internet here. Uh, You're on okay, Wi-Fi. so anyway, You're what excited about and it affects the Wi-Fi? I know. I get excited <laughs> talking about it. But yeah, there, so there's there's just so much theory out there still. And experts, I'm just leery of experts in this field because of trying so many different things and paying. You know, I paid for the HemiSync program, which was a lot of money and and different different experiences and nothing's been a solid every time what about so have you had any experiences in your life with near-death experiences or loss of consciousness through um or even like a surgery where you're you're just forced out of your body no i never um i've only had one surgery and i don't really remember having a near-death experience i definitely didn't you know die but i i i never had any experience like that i hear a lot of people that with surgeries so it's, it's just like lights on lights off exactly yeah like i remember going in and i'm i'm you know i'm all drugged up and they're wheeling me back into the hospital and i didn't have my glasses on and i'm pretty blind so everything is just a huge blur to me and then i remember they they put me under these lights and then they give me more drugs and I'm knocked out and I just, everything just fades. You see these giant circular lights above you and then it just fades <laughs> and then you wake up and you're in, in pain. 
Yeah, right. It's just like on off, like clap on, clap off. Yeah. It's, it's perplexing. You know what I find interesting about the that stuff too are those those circular lights and they use them in, in the filming biz too, but they're just not above you usually. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's something about that with like the whole death phenomena too, the circle, the circled light and Oh, I yeah. often wonder, like, <laughs> people that do have experiences when they've gone under a surgery and then they've had these experiences and you hear them talk about the the um, light on the ceiling. I just wonder how much of that is actually filtered through from what they're visually seeing physically. Yeah. It's, just a, it's a ponder. So, okay. So, all right. We got all that kind of stuff. What about in your contemporary life now what are some crazy dreams that uh are hanging around you do you have reoccurring dreams um see it's weird i i feel like the only reoccurring dreams i have now are ones where i'm either investigating or i'm i'm trapped in like a giant old like house maybe even a victorian house maybe that's my connection to Vic- victorian era or victorian times uh, but it's it's always like I'm looking for something that right now is pretty much the only reoccurring dream I have, which is pretty kind. Of, it's pretty normal for me, you know. Growing up, I had the reoccurring dreams with the eyeball and the and the leopard and and everything. But uh, yeah, I'd say in my modern life, that's kind of the only reoccurring dream. I can't really pinpoint any other recent dreams I've had that were really bizarre. It's interesting. I like, you know, just listening to you and a lot of what we've talked about tonight, you're, uh, especially with the work you do, I get a big agnostic feeling from you. And, uh, and I'm saying this listening to like your dream experiences and all that, which is let, which is good because it is a sign of an open person and open mind. Oh, yeah. yeah. And so you, you definitely don't feel and sound like you have like heavy programming from uh certain certain things you know like religious programming that really steers a narrative no i really don't uh -uh, yeah i'm not getting any of that i didn't get it from any of the foundational stuff so that's cool and it's interesting in a way because there's not a lot of drama around your dream life and your in your uh your other world which is the dream experience. So no, it's, it's as if it's all just fun, you know, and even in my real life, there's no drama. It's always just, I make everything fun. So that's, it kind of reflects my dreams in my life. And I think that's an important thing too, is if you don't, you don't approach it as a chore. You pro- yeah. It's, it's, it's always fun. It's something interesting to do. And, and I'm sure you don't have a lot of preconceived notions about, uh, religious connotations to things like oh I'll get possessed. That can, no. those kind of thoughts I think make you more susceptible to that kind of shit. <laughs> Believe it or not. It's funny, right? When you said that, I mm-hmm. had this weird like glitch happen in my phone that I've never experienced. It was almost like a buzzing, like a really loud buzzing noise. Did you guys hear that? <laughs> I, I heard something. Yeah, it's the only time you went out for me. It was like a buzzing roboting. Mm-hmm. I heard like. A t- so on that note, though, possessions. What do you think? What do you think's going on with that whole phenomena 
from where you stand? Well, when I think of possession, I think of a person that got involved with something very negative. They brought it into their life. Um, you know, it's, it's not something that I think happens to just anybody. I think a lot of the times it's like, like attracts like, like you, you bring it into your life by either, you know, the occult in some form or way, or by, you know, summoning it yourself. But I definitely, from the work I've done on paranormal state, I definitely, I believe in evil. I definitely believe there is evil and that people have the ability to get possessed. Have you had any experiences around it? Myself with me. Well, with encountering. So obviously on your shows, you're 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 dealing with disincarnate stuff. Mm -hmm. But have you had any experiences with people around you? And and this could be in the periphery of your shows that claim to have been possessed or that you thought may possibly be showing symptoms of of possession. Oh, yeah. Let me think back because a lot of those were our early cases. Um, one that sticks out to me, um, there was this guy in, this is one of our later cases. I think it was called Satan's Soldier. And it was this guy that started having all this like really weird activity happen um, and in his house. And he kind of revealed to us, and we didn't, we didn't really know this, but we saw some some things in his house that kind of triggered us to think this, but he admitted to um, devil worship when he was younger. He would rob graves and he cut a deal with the devil um, where, you know, he was supposed to get other people to join him in, in worshiping the devil and he would get, his reward would be money and women if he could get these people to worship with him. Uh, and he kind of revealed that and then everything kind of clicked together and the possibility that he was still practicing and hasn't let go of his past with this, I think really affected what he was experiencing in, in, our, in our investigation. Um, that's something that I don't even know if what I said made sense to your question, but it's something that just kind of popped into my head. Oh no, it totally ties in. This is so also, so tying, tying this in and the idea of how much overlap there is with dream and memory and 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 these states of consciousness and possession falls into that what are your ideas around what do you think happens when you die so you you believe in reincarnation we got that mm -hmm. what, what do you think like what do you think is there a transition that happens between like one life to another is there you know, like there's a million different ways to look at it. What do you think goes on? I think in, in my perfect world, I, th I think that I like to think that when you die, you see uh, you're in this really nice room. You're with people you want to be around and you get to watch your whole life on this giant screen. be replayed back and you can fast forward and rewind your favorite parts. That's always something I, I, I think that's really bizarre, but that's always something that I, I thought would happen when you die. Um, but now I definitely believe that there's certain objects and items that people could get connected to and they could, you know, reappear in another form as that object. I've definitely thought of that. 
Or how about use it as a uh, tether to come back or to, mm-hmm. to manifest your consciousness here in a some kind of energy field? Yeah. Yeah. Have you, do you have, I don't know how much death you've been around in your life. So, you know, and then this, this question's kind of rests on that, but in, in your life, and this includes animals, have you had dreams of anyone, you know, that died before they died or like, say, before you knew about it and found out? No. And I've met so many people. Like when I go to these events, I'm one of the last events I went to, I remember a woman coming up to me and she told me she has these really vivid dreams with people she knows and people that she doesn't know, but she later meets where they die. And in the exact way she dreams that they die, it ends up happening like maybe like a week later, sometimes a month later. And I've never had anything like that happen to me, but she kind of didn't know what to do with it because it's something she couldn't really control. And I was trying to give her like as much advice as possible, but that's a really wild thing to think about if you could predict and and have these premonitions and dreams about when people that you knew and people you even just saw on the street when they would die. Yeah. Oh yeah. There's so much. I'm so fascinated by this particular facet of it all. Have you encountered? So after the fact, after, after a death has happened of someone you know or a pet or even someone you're connected to even way in the periphery have you encountered them at all later past past the death uh i think not in my dream world yes i definitely like a dog that i had growing up i would have reoccurring dreams about but other than that you know i wouldn't have any visitations from from any loved ones that have died um i've never my dreams really, when I think about it, my dreams have never really carried any kind of message. It's almost like my dreams are an experimental film or like an art project when I think about it. Yeah, we do have a lot of fantastic imagery. Mm-hmm. So I've enjoyed those. So with your dog experience, could you give us an example of how he or she, I don't know what it was, uh, would pop up in dreams? would just let you know it's there did you have do you have a relationship with it yeah i i think i can recall having a dream i had a dog i had a shih tzu growing up named bandit and i got him when i was in fifth grade and i had him probably like five years after college so he you know he was a part of my family so it was really odd when he passed away but i remember i got to spend a a weekend with him like when he was really sick And it was almost as if when he was around me, he got this like burst of energy and he was a puppy again. And it was kind of like, I knew it was the last time I was going to see him. So uh, I've had, I have had dreams where I would just be like in the yard running with him or nothing like spectacular or anything, but just a dream where he was definitely present. And I woke up thinking, you know, where's bandit? Is he going to like jump on my bed and lick my face? Like, but you know, it was obviously a dream. So. Yeah, and see, that's the kind of stuff that that I love, and I, I I track because it's it's basically from what I gather from all the all the people I've talked to. Uh, I mean, it's just like the relationship picks up. It, it, it's like it never did anything in the dream. Mm-hmm. You're just like there they are, and we're doing something mundane, and they're there, and they're part of it. And you're you're 
vaguely aware if you get the lucidity that oh in my waking life this you know the dog's dead but Mm -hmm. here we are doing a normal thing in the dreamscape yeah so i find that incredibly uh reassuring and also uh i don't know just reassuring Hello. I'm. I, no, I was. <laughs> I was trying to think about how to phrase this next question. I'm just thinking about my dog now. Oh, <laughs> Bandit. Bandit. My neighbors have a dog named Bandit. It's a good one. It's a good. He name. was cute. He kind of looked like Gizmo. Oh my God! Yes. Yeah. Did you ever? He said he was a Shih Tzu. Yeah. Yeah. I love those little. Dogs. And he always did this thing where he would. He would stand on his legs and he would like put his paws together and kind of like smack them in the air and he would Aww. walk around and do that. It's really fun. <laughs> I'm a dog. I'm an animal person, so I love Me it. too. I'm a cat. What was I'm your question, Jared? Um, Mothman. What do you think about Mothman? Oh, Mothman. That's one of my favorite like cryptid cases for sure. I loved going to Point Pleasant and talking to the townspeople and hearing their stories. It, it was pretty interesting. I, I really um, liked the idea that the town was cursed. Like the, I think it was called the Cornstalk curse mm-hmm. where they cursed the land. A lot of people right. would attribute that to, to the creature, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, it was, it was, I think I can, I can believe in that. Yeah. Cause when we were there, it was kind of like, you know, this thing that appears before tragedies and, and things almost if, as if it was warning people. But as far as its kind of uh, origin of how it came about, I'm not really sure what to think of that. Yeah, it's kind of weird. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, the, the keel stuff's very interesting, which just reminded me of Hellier. Have you been following that? Uh, you know, no, I do you haven't. know Greg and Dana Newkirk? You know, I know of them, but I don't, I've never uh, met them. I think I'll meet them. I think we're both doing the Michigan Paracon event in I will be August. There. I will be there. Oh, cool. Okay. I already bought my ticket. Um, I'll get to meet them there, though. Yeah, they're really cool. Uh, Greg and, yeah, they're awesome. But uh, Hellier is this uh, YouTube video series about Kentucky goblins, caves. Yeah. If you haven't seen it, I won't bug you about it, but you should watch it. It's pretty. It's pretty yeah, I'll check that out. Stuff How do you spell it? H-E-L-L-I-E-R. Okay. It's it's named for the it's named for Hellier the location. Kentucky. So, yeah. Oh yeah. Right. And which is very close to Point Pleasant. Okay. Yeah, a lot That's coming cool. out of the caves and mines in that area oh, of the state. That reminded me of something else too. I was I was watching something last night which uh, researchers have correlated some of the David Polites uh, disappearance maps with cave systems in the United States. They pretty much overlap. So, uh, there's something about hmm. caves. Something going on with the caves. We don't. But we don't. Yeah. Know. Hidden caves. Not not hidden. Just I don't. My my personal thinking on the caves is that when you're in a cave, you're surrounded by stone or or you know whatever type of uh, mineral that is, and we know that minerals vibrate. At a certain, you know, mm-hmm. under compression, they, they, they vibrate and have a frequency. Especially silica. Especially quartz. quartz, right. So I think 
that vibration, that frequency, somehow puts you in an altered state of consciousness where you can actually experience other things that are there. Yeah, that's fascinating. That's really fascinating. Yeah, but, oh, okay, I got a question from the audience here. Uh-oh. Let's know. What is your personal best sighting or experience and or experience? Oh, personal best. Um, man, that's so hard because there's so many. How do I narrow it down? Pick two. Pick two. Okay. Um, Hmm. One time I was doing this case that was in, I believe it was in New Jersey. And I was in this house after production had left and it was myself and one other investigator. And we kind of set up my camera as if we were just, we set up my camera and then we just kind of had a normal conversation. We weren't even talking about ghosts or anything. And we were just talking and all of a sudden right above us, we heard like four distinct footsteps to where I thought it sounded so real that I thought, I thought someone broke into the house because we were in a pretty bad neighborhood. So I just imagined like someone is in the attic above us. So we went up and checked. No one was there. And we caught, we, uh, went and we reviewed the footage and we could, you could hear the footsteps. And I think it even made the episode. But then after that, me and the investigator, we went down, we went down into the kitchen and all of a sudden we were just standing there. And I think that there was like a hole in the floor uh, where the, this house used to be like a pharmacy or something. So we were just kind of talking about this hole in the floor. And then all of a sudden it sounded like something with force, like, slammed up against this basement door and the door was locked it was shut it was locked and we tried to debunk it we had no way to figure out like what had caused this to happen like the door wasn't jammed or anything it literally sounded like someone broke in the house and they were like slamming their body against the door to try to break in and you know we were locked in this house and we investigated every room in the house there was no nobody else in the house but us so that's that's an experience that really sticks out to me because, you know, I was more afraid of someone breaking in the house and like killing us or kidnapping us rather than it just being residual energy. Oh man. Yeah. Have you, have you ever tried dowsing for residual energy? No, I never have. You should try that. Yeah. I never got into that, but I could try it. It's way easy. And you might be able to identify hotspots more quickly in a location. Yeah. Yeah, I That's... think on, um, I think we did, maybe it was Alien Highway that I did, I did dowsing maybe. I can't remember. I know on, on U.S. investigations, I've never explored that option. What about, so with all this stuff, what about that you've done, what are your thoughts on like energetic portals and, or vortexes? Um, and grid lines. I've definitely had some experiences in houses where there was just a particular area of the house where the clients felt like, you know, there was more energy. Um, I, I can't remember. I wish I could remember exactly which episodes, but I mean, I definitely think it's possible. I don't really, 
have any information to like back up experiences I've had with it. But I do remember being in certain houses where they felt like there was just a funnel of energy that would, you know, be in a particular area of the house and we would have things happen. Do you think it's possible that the act of dreaming is is basically that of a vortex or a, some sort of a portal in which your consciousness uh, obviously moves through? Yeah, I definitely think it's a possibility that through dreaming, you know, we could be kind of exploring other dimensions, um, you know, and connecting with them during the dream state uh, because, you know, it's a time when our mind is more receptive to it. And so with that said, what what makes this waking reality and this uh, this is all just your opinion remember that but what makes mm-hmm. re- waking reality more acute or seem more real that we qualify it as reality than say other states of consciousness in particular the easy one to go to is like dreaming but even the act of memory is forcing yourself to go back and remember something that is vague or not clear and you push your consciousness back that way what's the nature of what makes reality seem like it's the big event oh man i wish (laughs) i don't even know how to answer that question uh i know it is one of the big ones have you had lucid dreams sorry Oh, no, go ahead. Sorry. I was, I was just going to clarify the question. Not clarify it, but just add to it. You know, think about some of the dreams you've had that seemed ultra real. What made those more real or less real than being awake? That kind of idea. Oh, okay. I mean, I've had some pretty bizarre dreams. Like, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I sometimes they can just mesh. Like, I but a lot of my dreams are so weird that I, I don't even know how to like interpret them at all. Yeah. And what, a, and you kind of, you, you spoke to that earlier. So like with the reality mm-hmm. question, like what I'm trying to get at is what, what do you think makes this, makes us all agree that this seems like it's the event rather than everything else, rather than a dream is not really the event. That's like something that's like a side event or something The reality is we wake up and you know we have things we need to do there seem to be apparent consequences if we don't and uh you know the whole nature of reality and i know that it's a big question but it's again i think there are no right or wrong answers and that's why i just like personal opinions as to what reality is and as we've tied it into this whole conversation tonight that revolves around states of other states of consciousness like death and portals and paranormal stuff, residual energies, Are dreams, we in a memories. Yeah. What makes this real for you, Heather? Oh gosh. I don't even I don't even know. I mean, how do we how do I I don't know how to answer that. You got me real I'm like thinking, I'm going through like layers in my mind <laughs> Girl. about all this and trying to connect it. It's yeah, you're kind of blowing my one. mind right now. Yeah, I don't I don't know if I could properly answer that in a way that would make sense. Would it even make sense? Like I don't know. I think well, that it, what Go ahead. This is what makes it so juicy. And this is one of the things that I, I contemplate a lot. And there's been a lot I've had a lot of death. 
around me. I didn't even, I usually come in and announce. I didn't even announce. I just had another friend die. Uh, and, but, well, here's the ponder though. Uh, you know, what, where are they? And for that matter, where am I? What, what's the separating us? What's separating the consciousness? Uh, yes, obviously they're not in their body. I can't call them up and say, girl, you want to go for a pizza? You know, like, <laughs> you know, like stuff like that. But, uh, you know, psychics say they can do that. And so what is, what's the difference though? How is it that we ascribe so much energy and attention into this perceived reality where there are where the attention that we're we're putting into it the energy we're putting into it really is consequences so like if mm -hmm. i if i cut myself and the consequences i'm going to bleed it's going to hurt i might have to get stitches you know stuff like that or if i don't i don't pay the house mortgage the bank's going to come and take it so the energy is predominantly in my observation of reality based on consequences of not doing something or not prescribing to something or not playing the game and so that's what seems to make it more real than say in the dreamscape mm -hmm. but emotionally in dreams i can i can completely no matter how crazy they are i'm still emotional in them i still get i so will cry if i see someone i love that maybe just died or something is intense i can die i can hurt i can have fun i love flying around you know there's all of that other stuff but the consequences don't seem as acute it's like well i don't have to you know in my dreamscape i don't have to pay mortgage right yeah that's nice so well, at least i don't think i do <laughs> <laughs> but here you have to pay rent or a mortgage and if you don't then you become homeless mm -hmm. like in this reality so i'm try just trying to parse out why is our our consciousness shifted so heavily here and then the no the difference just summing it up is that i notice it seems to be based on consequences of action Yeah. Yeah, I don't I don't know. That's there's so many I feel like there's just so many layers to it when you think about it. Yeah, it's not yeah. it's why it's one of the great questions philosophically. Mm -hmm. It's why, you know, it, it fuels a lot of a a lot of it's fueled a lot. I mean from Plato, you know, all back. It's all back there and, and it's great literature and great sci fi and all. So I'd like to hear individual people's take on reality just you know it's it fills in it starts to be more of a a matter of cohesion between people that aren't you know every more normal people instead of just like plato instead mm -hmm. of just like herman hesch instead of like these you know, what are considered the great thinkers of times, if we just all start talking as standard people um, about either how mundane we think it is or how real we think it is, it fills in these great massive chasms between the great minds. 
so that's what I was going at. But that, so that's a plunder. And it, it's really just tied into what do you think the difference is between a dream and a memory? Do, can you tell the difference when you think back to your early dreams and then possibly early memories you had? Is there a big difference there? Um, I wouldn't say too much of a difference. Because a lot of times I felt like I've had dreams of past memories in a way where I could remember them pretty vividly. Have you ever been to the uh, Zaphis Museum? No, I've I've been I've never been in it. I I know where it's at in Vegas cuz I I used to go to Vegas a lot for work, I but it was Connecticut. I never No, it's in Vegas. Oh. I never got the chance to go. The creepy dolls there, right? Annabelle? Um no, Robert is there. Robert. Who's who's got Annabelle? Um Annabelle is still in Connecticut at the uh Warren's Museum Warren. as far as I know. Okay. Yeah. For some reason, I thought John had inherited all of their museum stuff. Mm, I think that's a rumor. I'm pretty okay. sure that Lorraine's son-in-law, Tony Spera, he um, and, and Nespar, they still uh, have the doll in the museum. I wouldn't want that thing in my house. I wouldn't want Robert in my house. <laughs> I think yeah. it's so funny that it's a Raggedy Ann doll. I know. What's really funny is that uh, we used to do some events with Lorraine where uh, she would bring some of her haunted items to the museum on the road. And we'd go to like a haunted house for Halloween and we'd have these like little things where people could come and see the items. So it was really a funny image to me to see people that worked for her, like carrying Annabelle up the stairs in this glass case, you know, wearing these like work gloves and trying not so hard not to drop <laughs> the doll. Like <laughs> that's always so funny to me. Uh, the Newkirks have a traveling paranormal museum, too. Oh, nice. I don't know if they were going to bring it up to Michigan, but they've got... Yeah, it looks so <laughs> cute. They've got, like, a really cute tent display. It's really cute. But, uh, the one thing they have, the African... Uh, I can't remember what Oh, it yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's an African uh, totem. I can't remember what you call it either. I, I can't either. Was it Billy? They're, they named it Billy, I think. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't know if you know this. So someone had given them this. This uh, It's an African idol. I'm reading quickly to find it. I can't remember what, it, what, what, what type of idol it was. It's like yeah. a fetish. It's like a fetish that yeah, you would yeah, yeah. feed and all that. Oh, okay. Okay. I've heard of that. And he, they brought it into their house and he started having dreams about it. Scary dreams. I don't remember the whole build-up to it, but basically at some point he decided, I'm not scared of you anymore, and it became a familiar. Uh -huh. well, he decided to treat it like it would be treated by the tribe. He, started, was, yeah, feeding, yeah. he started feeding it properly, which you do with these things, and uh -huh. giving it, to, like I think he was giving it tobacco and some sort of alcohol, and then it came down into not a scary figure in his dreams, but... It, a morphed friendly, into yeah, yeah a friendly informative one that he communicates with yeah and a oh. human and not like demon-esque scary thing but he's gotten um evps from it and things it's really interesting so that's in their museum yeah i don't think i'd want to have those items those kind of items around me 
If it was a cool thing. Are you superstitious on us now? You weren't this whole show. <laughs> no, I'm just like, I'm thinking about, <laughs> I'm just thinking about, I got to thinking about like Ed and Lorraine's museum and how many crazy haunted items they have there. I don't think I'd want to have to be around that like every day or travel with that because I remember being young and like driving around to go to like on investigations and my friends and I would always have our Ouija board in the back. And I swear, every time I decided to take the Ouija board, I would get pulled over by the cops for some weird reason. Like most of the time for no reason at all, they would pull me over. And then it, it ended up that they would see the Ouija board and then they just start telling me stories about how they had an experience with the Ouija board and how this and this and this happened. But uh, I, I was always really superstitious about collecting Ouija boards and having uh, them in my car. And I used to collect them. I used to have some really cool old wooden ones from like the 30s and 40s and oh man and yeah this one specific one that i had it was in my friend's basement and he had given it to me and i remember when i took it into my new place really bad things started to happen hmm. in, just in my life and in general and i just i decided to get rid of it have you uh, ever met robert merch yes yeah i've met him before He's he got, has quite the collection yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, he's a really cool guy. I met him at an event a long yeah. time ago. I think we met, I met him two years ago at CryptidCon. But yeah, it was very cool. Interesting guy. Um, yeah. No question. I what it was. Do you have Do you have any super like superstitions? So we just got the one with the Ouija board, but do you have any other kind of like folkish superstitions? Mm. Uh, none that I can think of. No, I can't really think of anything besides having a Ouija board in my car. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't think so from everything that, you know, everything we've talked about tonight, which mm -hmm. is also, I think, must be great having you on the team because you're not that person that's front loaded with everything and you're not that person that's superstitious no and all that which is good i think you're a good balancing person to the people that that maybe are yeah yeah and then so do you do anything like um since you did the ouija board and you did it early on did you ever play around with tarot do you play with tarot um i do have uh two pretty cool tarot decks i've messed around with it i have like a little book on how to do it um i've had some pretty pretty dead on accurate readings uh which what which is what made me kind of want to explore it but i i'm not very good i don't have every card like i still don't know every card and, and everything um that's something i i would like to eventually get better at but I, I have some decks that randomly i'll just i'll pull out yeah oh yeah the tarot's a great tool so is the lenormand which is and for people that uh the lenormand is is so much easier so you don't have to like intuit you don't have to like kind of uh fill fill it in with intuition and all that there's mm -hmm. it's basically you read the later one like you do a sentence so it's pretty straightforward the house card is you'd read that like that's the house you don't have to be like this is my spiritual house and it's just, it's pretty straightforward and that's a great place or a great conjunction to uh to ease into tarot actually mm -hmm. so just throwing that out in case you don't have a lanham on deck that is 
I I love I love Layer One. I love the tarot. I've been reading tarot since I was very young. But wow, cool! It's a good the Lenormand deck is a good place for people that I just think you should check them out. That's what I'm saying. I'll look into that. <laughs> get a thought uh, deck. That's what my long my long trying to get that out. But <laughs> do you have? Um, so I'm wondering how is it that you know how can people get a hold of you and before we get to there what do you have on deck that that's coming out here in the future well right now so uh alien highway didn't get renewed for a second season so i know it's a total bummer i I feel like they're we and we had really really like super good ratings so i don't know if they feel like their ufo shows don't do well in general i I don't know but we got i mean the whole time the show is premiering we got like excellent feedback so we were all really surprised thrown off guard and we were already planning for a season two because we thought it was going to happen but so that's that's unfortunate but i mean it was it was a super fun experience and i'm grateful for it and um i've had a couple ideas for other shows that i've i've pitched with people so I think right now it's just kind of waiting, you know, because I think a lot of the shows are getting Cheesy. it's just like the same thing. Yeah, it's like the same thing over and over again. So I'm always constantly trying to think of like different ideas that haven't been done. So there's exploring that. Um, next year I'm booked for quite a few events already um, all across the U.S. And right now I'm working on getting my website up and I'm going to try to go back to doing some investigations just like consulting over the phone with with families and people that are having things going on in their home like pretty much like the early days of paranormal state which is what we used to do we used to just take phone calls from people and and do like extensive phone interviews so i'd like to get him back into that um but i mean i'm on every form of social media my my twitter and instagram handle is classic tad and you can of course find me on facebook i'm usually pretty responsive to messages i still get a lot of messages about paranormal state and alien highway so i I really try to respond to everybody and and hear everybody's stories and look at everybody's pictures so i love talking to people that that have watched the shows in general people that are really weird and are into you know the paranormal you could always write a book you know i've thought about that and i actually started one a long time ago but i kind of never really went anywhere with it but you're you're right i could I mean, like with your experiences, you know, things that people don't generally know. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Thought. Yeah. But I put all those links in the description for everyone who's listening. Awesome. Yeah. And, and they'll be in the show notes. Yeah. Cool. Oh. And plus, as we opened up, and as we know, even though you're on a hiatus, I mean, you got the rock uh-huh. cred, the punk rock oh, cred. Yeah. Oh, She's yeah. got a band and all Heck that. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, come on. Yes. I know how to rock. <laughs> the rock light is on. Definitely. Everyone come up to MI Paracan next yeah. August. That's going to be a blast. Tenny's going to really be there. I'm excited for that. <laughs> I'm excited to see Chip and everything and everybody. And there's still, like, I've never met, um, I've never met, uh, there's still so many people there. I've never met. I've never met John Tenney. I've never met him. I've oh, never God. met Amy Bruni. John Tenney was a I... great Knox Mente episode. Yeah. Yeah, I actually listened to it. It was really great. He seems super intelligent. I'm really excited to meet him and just have a conversation with him. Me too. I'm gonna yeah. wear the T-shirt I made with him on it to that. Oh, nice. <laughs> and nice. Uh, MJ is gonna be there, I think, too. 
Angie Dixon. Nice. She's very yeah. cool. She's very yeah, cool. Yeah, we love her. She's haunted. This is it's awesome. She oh my god. Yeah. So so many great. I'm just I'm happy to have you amongst all these great people we've had on Heather. This has been a treat. Yes, thank and you. And thank you for making time for us. Yeah, of course. Thank you for having me. I'm like I feel like I'm I'm getting sick, so my voice is kind of raspy, and I like my mind is like all over the place. So hopefully this made for a good episode. Oh, it no, was it's great. Got, yeah, yeah, your voice sounds great. It's yeah. got a, it's definitely sounds good. I, I love, <laughs> I love like sick voices are the next day from a drinking experience. Uh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> it's like it's always like kind of sultry. So I think we Ooh. should try and crowdfund uh, an Alien Highway season two. Oh my gosh, yeah, that'd be great. There's, there's just so many places to go that you can still go, especially like in the UK. There's just so many oh, yeah. places we need to go. Yeah, totally. Yeah, it's definitely not tapped, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah. Just think of like Eastern Europe, Romania, and yes. Bulgaria, and all those yes. types of places. Oh, but tons of like dark places around Poland, yeah, and yeah. oh yeah, and Prague, mm-hmm. yeah. Great. Well, thanks, Heather. It was great talking to you. Thanks, Nish. Yeah, great talking to you guys, too. Thanks for listening, everybody. And next week, we will not be live, but we'll be running a, a new show with uh, Derek Hunter, who is, uh, was it Chaos Love is his website? Love Chaos. Love Chaos. And, and he's, yeah, he's got a lot of other stuff, but that's, those are his books right now. And we're doing it for the first time ever. It's like a premiere. So I'm actually going to be in the chat when the when it goes on we've never done a and i'll be driving like to chicago so for the first time ever i'll be in the chat mm-hmm. <laughs> under nish because i don't do vox's nate that's always jerry but you could be i could be maybe i will be <laughs> if you could remember the password right i know <laughs> <laughs> details <laughs> anyway thanks everyone for listening and have a great night we'll see you next week